We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a special off-season edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Friday, June 24th. The NBA draft finished up about oh, 10 hours earlier. Uh, I am Nick Whalen, joined uh, by James Anderson to break down everything that we saw on Thursday night. Uh, we had 58 picks uh, due to Miami and Milwaukee, of course, forfeiting a pair of second rounders. Uh, James, it, it felt to me like uh, a draft that that was really exciting at the beginning. You know, we I, I can't really remember the last time that we truly didn't know who the number one pick was going to be until like one minute before it was announced. Um, if you're on Twitter, maybe, or if you're not on Twitter, maybe you didn't even know until they announced it on the telecast. Um, so it was fun to, to kind of have that kind of shake up at the top. But beyond that, I, I don't know. It, it felt kind of chalky. You know, we didn't really get any major, major trades. You know, there were all these veterans who were rumored to potentially be on the move. And, and a lot of those deals never really materialized, but uh, through and through, I, I think this is a, a draft that the more I dug into it over the last few weeks, um, you know, I wasn't like super thrilled about it months ago, but I, I think it's going to be a really deep and really fun class to, to evaluate next season. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think it's the greatest class, but I can't remember a draft where, I loved the fits of so many of the picks this much. Right. Like it just felt like so many players ended up exactly where they belonged and in really good homes where they're just going to fit in uh, perfectly with the roster that's already in place. Uh, so it just, it was a really fun draft. I don't, I don't think it's the greatest class, like I said, but I, I think it was a really fun draft to, to kind of watch unfold. Yeah. You know, I was looking at, Kevin O'Connor's draft grades on, on the ringer as, as the draft was transpiring. And, you know, maybe it was just a, an easy grade, but like every single pick was like, A, A plus, A minus, B plus, A minus, A. And, and I think a lot of that is, is the fits, like you mentioned, but uh, there's just a lot to like about a lot of these guys that are drafted in like the seven to 14 range, you know, like to me, it, it didn't feel like, like, was there like a Killian Hayes in this draft where, you know, what the Pistons took a what seventh, a couple drafts ago, and, you know, it could have gone the other way, but obviously it, it hasn't gone well for them. But even at the time, you're like, man, that, that's kind of a depressing pick. Like, I, I'm not thrilled about that if I'm the Pistons, whereas, you know, someone like Shane and Sharp go seven in this draft. Like, if you're if you're the Pelicans, I think you're pretty excited about getting Dyson Daniels in there at eight. You know, Sohan at nine, Johnny Davis at ten. Like, this might not be the most top-heavy class in terms of guys you look at as this could be a future top ten NBA player. But I think it's pretty deep, you know, all the way through the lottery where – you know, you could get pretty fired up about guys that you're getting in picks 10 through 15, which is not always the case. Yeah, totally. Uh, I haven't done enough, like, research on the class to, like, break down, like, who the, the good values were, like, in the, the 30s and stuff like that. But I, mm -hmm. I just think it was – like, obviously someone will be just a total bust 
from the lottery, but it's not, there's not that like obvious, Oh, that's uh, what, what were they thinking there? That type of thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it, I would have given all these teams really good grades as well. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you kind of marked your territory as a Bancaro guy uh, in the weeks leading up to the draft. So I, I take it that you, you believe Orlando made the right call passing on Jabari Smith, passing on Chet Holmgren. And, and maybe this was their plan all along, but seemingly uh, if you're tracking the odds, at least, you know, kind of making the the last second decision to to go with Bancaro, who you know didn't do a formal workout, didn't do a formal interview with the Magic. Yeah, I, I don't have, I haven't had this much um, just kind of FOMO or or regret about a bet that I didn't place. Like we can't bet in Wisconsin, uh, but like I remember mentioning it to you, like he was twenty two to one to go first overall, and they had uh, Jabari was like. Uh, negative something and and it was like two to one on Holmgren going first and Boncaro was 22 to one and and that just seemed like such an obvious long shot bet because uh, we did have a tier or kind of a public tier of three guys and I thought Boncaro was the best fit in Orlando because they need a primary like offensive force like I, I just don't think they are at a stage in their rebuild where taking a complimentary player um, would have made as much sense there, like like a Jabari Smith and like Boncaro. I, I mean, Orlando has a lot of nice pieces, uh, but to me, they're all kind of secondary or tertiary pieces uh, that kind of fit around a superstar. And I don't, I don't necessarily think Boncaro will be a superstar, but if one of these three were to be an offensive star, I do think it would, it would clearly be Von Carroll. And I think Wendell Carter is a really nice fit with him. Uh, Franz Wagner is a, is a really nice fit with him. I mean, you don't want Franz Wagner to be the best on ball player um, on your team necessarily. I think you want him to be your second best or third best. Um, and they don't have like their guards. I mean, some of them have some promise, but, I don't think you're looking at Jalen Suggs or Markel Fultz or Cole Anthony as the guy that you want to be your highest usage player. So I just think it was a great fit. Yeah. Yeah. And a team like Orlando, OKC, Houston, like it's tough for anybody to be a bad fit given those rosters. Um, You know, I mean, they, they, they obviously all have needs, but you know, I'm going through and putting together uh, an article that's going to be up on the site and, and up on CBS about, you know, just kind of ranking the top 10 rookies for fantasy purposes and I think I'm going to go Smith over Bancaro just because I think Houston is a slightly better landing spot. And I think Jabari Smith maybe has a slightly higher floor as a rookie, but uh, I think you're right. I mean, Orlando has Orlando seemingly has like more term pieces, but none of those guys profile as a number one option long-term. And, you know, I don't even know if any of those guys are, are, are on track to be a number two option down the road. You know, I think that's what the hope is, is Jalen Suggs grows into that, but based on how he looked as a rookie, I mean, that that's a long road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's basically Boncaro, Wagner, and t- to be determined. Basically, <laughs> like, it, like a lot of these guys will probably be there, but I, I really only think you have two um, cornerstone prospects here with the Magic and, and Wagner and Boncaro, and we'll we'll sort of see what happens with the rest of the guys. But um, I, I just think it was, you know, I think they're in a really good position here moving forward. They're probably going to pick high again um next year and hopefully they can add a third piece fourth piece whatever but uh i just i think it worked out great and i think you know the chet holmgren fit at at two is really fun as well like i think oklahoma city if i if i were a thunder fan i would just be feeling great right now yeah i think okc did really well uh and it's tough not to do well when you have so many picks and you can basically maneuver the draft however you want um, but we, we saw them cash in some of those assets, uh, ended up picking back to back in the late lottery, but, but they end up coming away, uh, with, with Chet Holmgren, Usman Jang and Jalen Williams, uh, all with the top 12 picks in this draft. I mean, the Holmgren one, I think that seemed obvious. That was the one of the top three, uh, that kind of held with what we were expecting, uh, all along. Like you said, I think that's a fantastic fit. Um, and they now, I mean, Holmgren, Giddy, SGA, uh, is a hell of a top three. And then, you know, you're just going to c- continue to have these these options to hit on in the mid to late lottery and maybe the high lottery, depending on how those, you know, those future picks from the Clippers uh, end up coming around and, and picks that they have coming in from other teams. But you're just going to continue to have shot after shot after shot 
uh, at, at finding role players or potentially even stars uh, in the mid to late first round over the next decade. But, um, you know, what did you make of, of them landing Williams and Jang uh, at, at 11 and 12, respectively? Um, you know, there, there were other, you know, bigger name players potentially on the board. They could have had Jalen Duran. Uh, they could have gone with a more sure thing and someone like Ochai Abaji, another big man in Mark Williams. But uh, it, it kind of felt like they were shooting for the stars with both of those late lottery picks. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought it was just uh, brilliant maneuvering, really kind of a, a power move to, to get back in into the lottery and get a, a second guy um, in the teens there. And uh, I just I love the kind of stable of prospects that that Sam Presti is kind of putting together here. Uh, obviously, you mentioned sort of their their big three right now is SGA, Giddy and, and Holmgren. But uh, they have a, a nice collection of guys sort of on the next tier down in, in Trey Mann and Jalen Williams and um, Jeng. I mean, it's, they, they've got so many guys that have great size, uh, positional size, and I think it's just going to be uh, a really nice sort of trial and error season again for them. I, I hope for from fantasy standpoint that they're not shutting guys down. Uh, towards the end of the season, although they might, I think they, they might have one more big tank in them. In I, I think they do. Victor yeah. Um, so I, it's not going to be a fantasy friendly situation, at least in leagues where mm-hmm. um, you're, you're focused on what guys are going to be doing in the second half of the year. But uh, I just, I love the collection of prospects they have. Um, they might, they probably don't hit on both Jalen Williams uh, and Usman Jang, but if they just hit on one of those guys to go with Chet, then that's a successful draft, of course. And like I said, I think the, the positional size that they're putting together here uh, at the two, at the at the one, like if Giddy's your one and SGA's your two, and but then you have guys like Trey Mann and Jalen Williams who are kind of bigger for, for shooting guards. And uh, it's just, it's a fun collection of, of talent and you know i think that they they trust their board and i thought it was a really nice power move to go in there and get another guy we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So you mentioned the main concern for fantasy, which is shutting guys down. And that has been the case each of the last two seasons. It wasn't quite as severe this past year, but, but two seasons ago, I mean, SGA like tweaked his ankle and missed the final like 30 games of the season. Um, yeah. I, I think they're under some pressure now, especially you know, just not wanting to do that to SGA for a third straight season. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised if they, if, if they, they're shutting guys down like after the all-star break, but you know, they're going to find ways to stealthily at least make sure that they are very much in the mix for when Benyama uh, at, at number one, try to get into that bottom three at least, and then give yourself, you know, a one in three chance of getting that top pick. But looking at Holmgren specifically, you know, in, in my my rookie fantasy rankings for now, I, I have that four uh, behind Smith, behind Bancaro, and I even put Keegan Murray ahead of him because, you know, I, I just, I see this playing out kind of like Shangun last year, where you see a lot of like per minute things that you like, you know, he'll, he'll play 20 minutes and, you know, he'll put up like, I don't know, 10 points nine rebounds, two blocks, but then the next night he'll have three fouls in the first quarter and will just be a complete zero if you put him in a DFS lineup. Like, I, I think the highs are going to be really high. I think the lows are going to be really low. And on the whole, he's just going to be a, a kind of uh, you know, somewhat underwhelming fantasy asset early on, but a, a guy who shows a lot of promise long-term. Like, if you're drafting you know, if you're drafting in a dynasty league, he's the number one rookie I would want. If you're doing a redraft league, you know, I, I think I would take him like fourth or fifth among rookies. You know, I might be a little higher on him than you just for next year uh, because I would rather just take the swing on the guy that could help me that much in the blocks department and and be yeah. a good uh, free, th- free throw shooter. Like, like, to me, Jabari Smith just isn't interesting at all for fantasy as a rookie because he's just going to basically be spotting up for threes. And, like, you know, I think he's going to average, like, fewer than three assists and – um, like he's just basically going to be a three pointers and free throw percentage guy. Like uh, Boncaro, I, I love obviously, but um, I might take Holmgren. Uh, I might take Holmgren second, honestly, for next year. Even though I I recognize there is the chance that that you're totally right, and it is kind of a Shangun type of season. But at least I have that chance of getting a guy that's blocking like 1.8 shots a game and um contributing with with three pointers and stuff i'm i'm interested interested to see what the uh field goal percentage is for him as a rookie uh it, because it he be will be taking right. a bunch of threes yeah 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 i mean you're you're right i mean on on the aggregate if the minutes are there you know if he's and he only played like what 20 i'm gonna say like 26 minutes a game at gonzaga i mean the, the numbers could probably be even more overwhelming than they were um, you know, if he if he could just get to 25 to 30 minutes a game and, and give you 60 games out of 82, I, I think that's a pretty successful season given the circumstances. Um, and you're probably right. You know, he, he's not going to need a ton of minutes to rack up like one and a half blocks per game. And, and even if the other stats are a little more fickle, um, you know, that's valuable enough to to at least buoy your fantasy value, um, you know, in, in, in category leagues at least. But um, before we move on from that top three, I, I want to ask you not taking into account the future assets, because I, I think that tips the scales uh, in favor of one team. But which current core do you like the most going forward? Orlando, Houston, or OKC? Just the guys that are on the roster right now. Oh, man, that's a really good question. Uh, I I think I have – I think I have the magic last uh, just because I don't – there's only like two – I mean, Wendell Carter is probably my third favorite guy. <laughs> on the magic um what an indictment on rj hampton <laughs> i i think i like the rockets core the most um because of jalen green and then Shangun uh to a lesser extent i just think like I, I, jalen green's my favorite my favorite player on any of them <laughs> not not kevin porter uh <laughs> not factoring him in yeah that, um, kevin porter actually makes me put the rockets third 
Yeah, yeah. I just I trust that they're gonna move on from Devin Porter at some point here in the not too distant future. But uh, I think Jalen Green could be a, a superstar. I think Shangun could be uh, just really, really good. Jabari Smith is is such a nice fit there. I, I really like the way the pieces fell with this top three because I I just don't think Smith. Uh, would have lived up to the number one billing in Orlando. But I think getting to work as sort of a third option here in, in Houston is is great for him. And I think that the defense that he brings is exactly what this team needs. So I'll, I'll go Houston, but I do just – I really love what OKC has brewing. Yeah, I, one, I think you're right about Kevin Porter, hopefully not being a long-term guy. I'm actually surprised that he's stuck around as long as he has in Houston. But that always kind of seemed like a, a – a, holdover um you know kind of a shoot for the stars type of acquisition and and obviously that hasn't worked out great so far um i i I think i would take okc one just because you know you're assuming that they're going to keep sga around i mean it's almost funny to hear the conversations of like well you know he just might not match up with the rest of this core the dude's like what 23 24 uh at this point uh turns 24 next month um i mean you, you already have like a borderline all-star in place, you know, Giddy looked really good. Obviously I'm high on Holmgren, uh, but it's close. It's close. I, I, for me, I think Orlando is third as well. I, I know as, as high as you are on Bancaro, um, it, it still feels like they, they don't quite have that next piece. And, and maybe if Bancaro is as good as we think he could be, that changes everything right away. You know, if, if he's, if he's like a Cade Cunningham level impact guy right away, I think that that instantly kind of rises or raises the tide uh, for that entire roster. But um I mean, for, for oh, what it's worth, it? like, I, I think Franz Wagner, like, I expect to have Franz Wagner on a ton of fantasy teams next year because I just think he doesn't really get talked enough about as, like, for how good he is at such a young age and just how productive he is sort of across the board. Uh, so I, I do think Wagner is, is right up there um, as, like, a second-best prospect on, on any of these three rosters. Um, but I, like, I would take Jalen Green over, uh, Boncaro and over Holmgren. And so that, yeah. that's kind of what tips the scales for me. Fair enough. Um, so we have not talked about the Sacramento Kings who, uh, uh kind of held the skeleton key to this entire draft, even though the, the top three didn't necessarily go in the order that we thought it was still those, those three guys. So the Kings, uh, you know, really kind of started the draft at four and, and they go Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. Uh, there, there was kind of an ominous like reaction from the crowd in New York when the Kings pick. I, I don't think it even mattered who they were going to pick. They could have picked anybody, and that would have been the reaction. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I heard the narrative that like Jaden Ivey like spooked them out of taking him uh, because you know he obviously didn't seem like too warm to the idea of going there. I mean, well, we may never know if that's actually the case, but I don't. I don't think the Kings necessarily messed up this pick. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but you know, it, this doesn't strike me as one of those classic. Kings reaches where you just know it's going to go bad from the start. Uh, it very well could because it is the Kings, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of franchises that would have taken Keegan Murray. I think Sacramento actually did okay here, all things considered. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. Uh, it's it's kind of boring, but like I think you're right. I don't think they messed it up. I just think that they have messed a lot of other things up, and uh, Keegan Murray is not not going to be the savior to, to kind of right those wrongs, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fine. Yeah. Tough to get excited about Keegan Murray, but I think fantasy wise, there's a, a decent amount there. Uh, obviously he'll be no higher than like the third or fourth option at best behind Fox Sabonis, and, you know, assuming Harrison Barnes is still there, but it also kind of felt like they were drafting for need because they have like no viable power forwards on this roster at all. I mean, it's essentially, Trey Lyles and Mo Harkless. I, who knows if those guys will even be back. So pretty unexciting pick, but, but for fantasy, I mean, we could see Keegan Murray pretty easily, I think approach 30 minutes a game. Yeah. I think he will be a really solid fantasy option because of just how many different categories he could impact uh, with that type of workload. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you there. I just think this team is clearly, doing everything in its power to get the 10th seed and uh, they might still fall short uh, even with like drafting for need and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I definitely, I agree with you. The minutes will be there for Murray. So Detroit 
uh, ends up taking Jaden Ivey at five. He, he falls into their lap. And then for like the next hour, uh, we're, we're kind of on pins and needles as, as all the reports indicate that the Knicks are, are trying to like stockpile assets and get Jaden <laughs> Ivey, which I look, I, I, I like Jaden Ivey. I, I really hope he's good. I, I think he's, you know, if he hits, he's going to hit in a big way, but I mean, people were talking about him like like the, the Knicks were trying to acquire like peak LeBron James here. Like Jaden Ivey to me is like so far from a guarantee to be a good player. And, you know, Knicks fans are like devastated that they didn't end up with Ivey. Like the guy went fifth for a reason. Like, again, I hope he's really good. I think he has a chance to be really good. But I, I don't get like franchise savior vibes from Ivey. And I, I think landing in Detroit ultimately is better for him than going to New York, you know, in some sort of King's Ransom type of trade with the Knicks, you know, ultimately trading up for him. But, um, you know, he lands in Detroit. Detroit also able to get Jalen Duran later in the first round. And I think, you know, at least judging from the initial reaction on Twitter, it it feels like Detroit was maybe the biggest winner of any team last night. Yeah. um, I I definitely liked what they did. I, I don't know if I would say they were the biggest winner, but like, Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, that's a really nice fit uh, because Cunningham kind of – he's good at everything that Ivey might not be good at and kind of vice versa. Like, Ivey's got that crazy athleticism and speed, and that's probably the one thing Cunningham doesn't really have. And Cunningham, obviously, is a great uh, facilitator, great shooter, and Ivey is, is kind of a work in progress on both of those things. So. I, I love that fit, that pairing, and, and the size that those two have as backcourt mates is just really, really impressive. And then uh, Duran's a guy that I think has been kind of underrated this whole uh, draft process, and I think it's it's mostly because of him being a center who doesn't project to stretch the floor, really, but I just think he's so good at what he does, and athletically and from a, a youth standpoint – um, he's exactly what you're looking for is kind of a mid lottery, uh, type of prospect. So I think they did, I think they did really well. What do you think we're looking at for immediate impact for Duran? I mean, is this like the clock is ticking for Isaiah Stewart? It's a situation where you're developing Jalen Duran for the next couple of years. And, you know, by, I, I don't know, by like 2024, 25 season, you know, that's when he's playing 25 to 30 minutes per game. Uh, probably the, the latter, I, I think like maybe Stewart gets 28 minutes at center and Duran gets 20 minutes at center as a rookie, like that type of split. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he, he is a bit of a work in progress athletically. Like he's ready to finish lobs. He's ready to, to make a uh, highlight reel blocks and stuff like that. But I mean, he's going to have to learn the finer points, but um, like, I definitely think Duran projects as their starting center three years from now, but I don't think Stewart passes that torch this year. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of upside there, fantasy wise. You know, you're, you're kind of, if, if you, I, I don't even know if he would be drafted in most leagues, most likely not, but um, you're, you're kind of hoping that at some point, you know, maybe Isaiah Stewart underwhelms again, like he did last season. And, and, you know, Detroit's going to be a bad team and they just kind of turn things over to him because there, there's going to be significant rebounding and blocks potential there at some point. But but ultimately, uh, during, you know, probably more of a, a dynasty league target at this point, um, six, seven, eight, we saw Matherin go to the Pacers at six, Shaden Sharp to the Blazers at seven, Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans at eight. I, I kind of like all these picks. Uh, I, I like all the fits, at least. Um, I was a little surprised the Blazers went with Shaden Sharp just because this is a team that, by all accounts, especially after trading for Jeremy Grant and you know rumored to be very much in on trying to get someone like an OG Ananobi, um, you know Shaden Sharp to me not necessarily a guy who you're expecting to contribute next season. But assuming they're going to hold on to him long term, I mean, to, to me this this just kind of feels like a a higher upside like uh, Anthony Simons type of pick who took like multiple years before making any sort of impact. So, uh, you know, I, I like it. I, I like it in terms of trying to land a star. It's a tough place to get stars in the first place. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that it accomplishes your goal of, you know, surrounding Damian Lillard with the most talented team possible in the, in the season 2022, 23. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Like, I like that pick by by the Blazers because it's just like who which of these guys are you taking 
Like, are you taking like Johnny Davis and it's like, oh, well, this guy's really going to help us this year. I mean, like yeah. none of these Yeah, guys. I know. I mean, it's it's not a great <laughs> argument, but I, I think I, I, I could have seen them doing that. You know, we, we've seen teams kind of take that short-sighted approach in the past. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I think I, like that- I said, I – Go ahead. They were in a tough spot because I think, it, you know, they would have liked to have been able to get a Keegan Murray or Jaden Ivey that would have uh, helped them this I, I think year. if Matherin was there, too, they'd take him. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I think Sharp is the highest upside guy by a mile, like, left on the board here at seven. And you should probably know as early as maybe Summer League whether you have a potential star on your hands and – uh, if you do, then, you know, you have someone to kind of pass the torch to uh, in a few years. If you don't, like, you know, it, it is what it is. You took a big swing at seven. Uh, but I think that was the right move there. I mean, that roster, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Sharp to develop as a rookie, uh, which is really nice. I think it's a great landing spot for him from a fantasy standpoint because of uh, the amount of touches that should be there for him. Uh, the one that I, the fit, I'm not, you know, Matherin to the Pacers. I just want to see what, what Indiana is going to do the rest of this off season, because they just have a ton of like shooting guards basically on the roster. Yeah, shooting guard. And man. yeah, yeah. They've got, they've got like four or five shooting guards. So uh, I assume they're going to trade Brogdon. I assume they're going to trade uh, Turner. They're probably looking to trade Heald, but. Like, as things stand, things are pretty crowded there. But, yeah, you know, if, if we get removed here and it's Halliburton and Matherin as the backcourt, I think that could be pretty fun. I think there's a pretty good chance that's what we're looking at come the fall. I, I, I think this was a, a pretty big-time indication uh, that Malcolm Brogdon's time is limited there. I think that was the case coming into the draft. And I, I think the, the Matherin selection uh, just kind of hammers that home. But, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, as of right now, I think you kind of have to treat Matherin as a, a wait and see, you know, obviously not a lot of fantasy basketball drafts are, are taking place the day after the NBA draft, thankfully, but uh, I, w- I would be pretty surprised that, you know, if, if Malcolm Brogdon's on this roster, even, you know, by the end of the next month, um, we, we had Dyson Daniels go to the Pelicans at eight, Jeremy Sohan to the Spurs at nine, Johnny Davis to the Wizards at 10 uh, to finish out the top 10. And I, I like the fit for Daniels. A lot. I, I think we're probably not going to see much of an impact as a rookie. Um, you know, I remember. I mean, they they took Trey Murphy, you know, in the middle of the first round last. He lit it up at summer league. I, I was really excited. I was grabbing him at the end of all these drafts, and they barely played him at all. And ended up being Herb Jones, who was the far more impactful rookie. I, I think we kind of see something similar, where you know maybe there's some flashes here and there from Daniels, but I, I mean the Pelicans are, are strangely kind of deep, and and I think Daniels will play, but I, I just don't see him playing enough minutes as a rookie um, you know, with Jose Alvarado back in the mix. I mean, Devontae Graham is currently on the roster. We'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, you know, Murphy obviously will, will probably have a, a larger role next year. I, I like Daniels for two years from now, but I, don't, I just don't think he's going to have much of a fantasy impact as a rookie. Yeah, I'm totally with you there, but I just love like the Daniels fit uh, with New Orleans and the Sohan fit with uh, the Spurs are two of my favorite landing spots in the lottery uh Dyson Daniels I think could be just an awesome two-way wing slash guard a couple years from now like you said and Fred Vinson the the Pelicans shooting coach like that's exactly what Daniels needs he needs to kind of keep working on that three-point shot and if he can make major strides there like if he turns into a 36 percent three-point shooter at his size with his uh, passing, ball handling, athleticism, uh, defensive aptitude. Like, he could just be an awesome player for them. And then Sohan with the Spurs, like, he's just – he's such a Spurs guy, uh, you know, well-traveled, like a world – you know, he, he's – Citizen um, of the world. <laughs> citizen of the world. Like, that's exact. like, they, they had to be licking their chops uh, for yep. him at nine and uh, just another kind of long wing uh, that they can develop. So, I, I love those picks. I like what the Spurs did overall. You know, I, I mentioned Detroit uh, was kind of one of the consensus winners, but the Spurs coming away with Sohan, Malachi Branham at 20, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who some people thought could even sneak into like one of the last picks of the lottery, uh, and then getting a, a nice young point guard prospect in, in Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame at 25. I, I think they reloaded really nicely here. 
yeah, just guys with guys with good size, um, you know, versatile guys that can guard multiple positions, possibly uh, with all three of those guys. Um, they they've got a fun roster. I mean, I know it probably won't get to this point, but like you know, Kevin Durant uh, to the Spurs. Like, I, I don't think it'll happen, but um, like, I just love, I love how many young uh, prospects the Spurs have that can play the the two, the three and the four. It's, it's a nice collection. So speaking of KD, I, we're, we're kind of at that point of the draft where the, the New York Knicks were selecting 11. They, they of course come away somehow with no player at all, <laughs> uh, much to the dismay of, of Stephen A who is uh uh, kind of derailing the ABC telecast for, for most of the night. Uh, but they, they did successfully pick up, I think, I think if I have this correctly, they ended up with three future first round picks, uh, despite at one point, like trading two first round picks. Uh, they get off of Kemba Walker, which I, I went and looked it up. Like the way that the Knicks are operating, you would think Kemba Walker was set to make like $70 million next year. That's not the case at all. Like, I don't know that they had to go to such great lengths just to dump like a, a mid-level contract that you know, another team will be happy to buy out. And it sounds like that's going to be the case with Detroit. Um, so I'm not sure why they were treating this. Like it was like the Russell Westbrook or the John Wall contract. But um, you know, I, I kind of, I was joking a little bit with, with you and Alex last night, but I, the Knicks are planning something here. You know, they're, they're, well, they are the Knicks and they don't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt, but they're acquiring assets to do something. Everybody thinks it's Jalen Brunson. Maybe it is. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they're going to try to trade for for Kyrie Irving. Maybe they're trying to trade for for Kevin Durant. I, I, I could see those offers at least being put out there. It's, it would be hard to imagine the Knicks at least not inquiring. Yeah, I mean, of course they're going to try to get Durant, uh, and they're going to fail. Um, like I, I could see them ending up with one of Kyrie or Brunson but it would be pretty disastrous. Like to, to outbid the Mavs on Brunson, you're probably talking about like 30 million a year. And then you're looking at a RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randall core. Uh, and then if, if you end up with Kyrie, like where's that taking you? Uh, to the not, NBA finals, maybe that's where. Not taking you, not taking you anywhere, anywhere. Great. So um, yeah, I texted you last night, like the Knicks, I think the Knicks are my least favorite team to think about in the NBA because I just, all the players, like RJ Barrett's your most exciting player. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's really rough. And they just have all these really kind of, you know, unappealing veterans on unappealing contracts and just guys that, have all these weird weaknesses that don't really fit. I mean, it's just, it's such a messed up roster. A lot of parallels between the Knicks and the Lakers, but that that's a, that's a story <laughs> for another podcast. I do want to derail this very quickly though, to talk about the KD situation, because it, it really feels like at this juncture, Kevin Durant is, is probably going to end up on a different team unless something really changes with, with this Kyrie situation. Um, you know, I think we're, we're kind of seeing KD go down the path that LeBron has found himself on a number of times throughout his career where you kind of back yourself into a corner and your, your only real option if you want to win right away is to force your way out and, and kind of deal with the short-term consequences. But I mean, what, what teams are we looking at that could conceivably put together, you know, one of the like top three offers? Um, I, I think Toronto is really interesting. Um, it, it, it kind of depends like, you know, KD does not have a no trade clause. So in a lot of ways, it depends how willing in this scenario Brooklyn would be to facilitate a destination that he wants to go to versus like, what if OKC just says, Hey, we'll give you six first round picks, send us Kevin Durant back. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it feels like even when te- when players don't have no trade clauses, teams are, are usually willing to give them some sort of goodwill gesture and not just send them to Sacramento or Orlando or Detroit. Um, but I mean, there's like 25 teams that could put together a pretty appealing offer for Kevin Durant. Should he hit the open market? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think Toronto's a good one. Um, I mean, would, you know, would a team like, would Boston do something around Jalen Brown? That's um, that's what I was thinking as well. Could the Lakers trade Anthony Davis straight up for him? <laughs> that would be kind of fun. <laughs> THT and like, Anthony Davis? From, from Brooklyn's standpoint, I really think they – 
they should and they might actually want to at this point just rip the band-aid off and get rid of Irving and Durant and kind of reset the franchise because I just I think the last couple of years have probably been uh nightmarish for um Marks and Nash and and Josiah like in terms of just having to do everything that Durant and Kyrie have wanted you to do and then to have the returns they've gotten from that situation I just think it might be it might just be best for all parties to kind of all go their separate ways here um, yeah. but well, and will... it goes without saying that you need to replenish the assets. I mean, they're they're literally in the exact same situation they were like eight years ago. Of course, yeah. I mean, I think you you obviously need to load up in the Kyrie or in the the KD return uh, with picks and young players. And so, I really only think there's there's probably less than ten teams that actually have the realistic assets to go get. Uh, Kevin Durant and I, I would rule out like a team like the Thunder like I just don't think that's the point of this at all like I think they really want to build a sustainable core of, of really good young players like I just don't even think that would appeal to, to Sam Presti and so I mean you're, you're talking about like you know what's the Grizzlies best offer they're willing to make because I don't even know like I don't know if they want to short circuit this and and turn it into Kevin Durant's team and not John Morant's team. Like I, I think there's the market will be competitive, but I don't think it'll be that um, widespread in terms of the amount of teams lining up to make these massive offers. So I think I think you're right about that. Teams like Memphis, you know, it's a it's a really slippery slope, uh, I guess. And I, I think the, the biggest thing is that Durant is just old enough that it makes you think twice about it. You know, if, if Durant is, what is he right now? So he's 33, turns 34 in September. If Durant is 30, I think you're saying like, screw it. We don't care. It's prime Kevin Durant. Like we need to make this happen. I don't, I don't care what our roster looks like. 34 year old Kevin Durant makes you think twice about it, you know, especially given the injury situation, you know, it's like, are we willing to uproot this really good thing we have going for an unquestionable upgrade when healthy? Uh, but a guy who, you know, has, has played, what a combined like 80 games in the last two years and missed an entire season and has been banged up. Like there, there are definitely drawbacks here. So I, I would understand that uh, if you're a team like Memphis, but man, I don't know. I mean, you throw Jaron Jackson out there. I mean, if you could do that deal holding on to Desmond Bain, like at the end of the day, I, I tend to think it's Kevin Durant. You just find a way to make it happen. It instantly makes you a title contender. Even if that means you, you kind of put an end to what's been a really fun time for your franchise, but ultimately a, a stretch that's ended with, you know, a second round uh, playoff defeat, you know, in, in what, five games to the Warriors. Like, I don't know, like, I, I like what Memphis has going, but I don't, I, I still, I don't look at Memphis as like a future multi-title team at this point. Like, I still think they're a piece away. And, you know, if you can, if you can go from fun young team to maybe the favorite in the West overnight, uh, I, I think you do it. And, and there's a lot of teams that are in that position, you know, I mean, like if you're Denver, like, would you, I don't know, would you package like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and say, you know, let's just get Jokic and, and Kevin Durant on the same team? Like there's so many scenarios like that. Um, yeah, a player like I, Kevin Durant just doesn't get on the market like this. Uh, I would do that in a heartbeat if I were Denver. Um, yeah, right. Well, I don't, because I, don't you're, know if, I, mean, I don't know if Brooklyn's trying to take on yeah, the, the Porter contract. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of incoming salary uh, if, you, if you have Murray and Porter there. But I mean... <laughs> Like Durant, Jokic, and Aaron Gordon, and whoever else. I mean, that might be the yeah. title favorite. Well, it so. doesn't matter. That's the thing. Like, it's probably going to be a, a whoever else situation for most of these teams. Yeah. So like, okay, if you're New Orleans, like, hey, we're putting Zion on the table. Give us Durant. Yeah, like, that's really interesting. Like, if you're the Clippers, Paul George straight up for Kevin Durant. Yeah, you know, like, there's, there's a scenario you could lay out for, like, pretty much every team. I mean, of course, as always, it feels like like the Knicks and the Lakers have like done so many bad things over the last few <laughs> years that they've, they've like, they've like completely removed themselves from, from these circumstances. Like it's actually like just crazy how often this seems to happen. Right. Um, right. I don't know. I mean, like there's so many teams that could, that could get in on this. If the Knicks, just, like this is just so classic. You're, you're totally right. Like the Knicks would be perfectly positioned here if yeah. they had the assets, but they don't have the assets. Um, the Lakers would be, perfectly positioned here if they had the assets but they don't have the assets and yep. um i think part of why we didn't see like we were expecting a ton of trading last night uh with veteran guys like brogdon and 
Miles Turner and John Collins and, and that type of stuff. And I think everyone's just waiting to see what happens with this Brooklyn thing. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're totally right because I, I think every team can convince themselves that they're in on this, you know, for, from, from the Kings on down. Like every, I think every team is, is going to at least make that call. Uh, but we, we got a few more minutes here. Let's, uh, let's transition back to the draft. Um, any guys that you want to hit in kind of the mid-lottery, late first round range? Um, I like the Ochai Ajabi uh, pick uh, by the Cavs. I think that he really fits into what they need, and they're uh, kind of trying to make a step forward next year. Um, so I thought that was another just really good fit. Uh, Mark Williams is pretty interesting with the Hornets as the lob threat that they've been searching for. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was just a, a lot of good landing spots. Uh, Johnny Davis to the Wizards is is kind of boring. Um, that might be like the most boring pick of the of the lottery uh, to me. But um, what 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 caught your eye? I like Mark Williams to Charlotte. That one seemed destined from from the start of the draft. I I, I thought they would end up with either Duran or Williams. I mean, they I think they technically picked both, uh, and obviously. Uh, opted to roll with Williams, who I, I think is an instant upgrade over Mason Plumley. I was actually going back and looking at like the the centers that the Hornets have just had uh, for the last decade, and they, they had Al Jefferson at one point, who was pretty good. I, I don't think he made an All Star team. I, I, actually, he might have. I, I think he was third team All NBA one of those years. But they basically had like a full decade of just terrible center play, with the exception of Dwight Howard averaging sixteen and twelve uh, in twenty seventeen. But they they seemingly like finally found a guy there. I mean, the, the Plumlee acquisition last offseason was just so bad at the time and went maybe even worse than we expected. Yeah. Uh, but to get a, a young, cheap option there who's just going to do the little things, catch lobs, block shots, shoot 70% from the field, like I, I think that was just a, a home run pick and, and kind of an easy one by the Hornets at 15. Um, yeah, I, nothing really stood out to me all that much you know, in kind of the, the late first round. Like I, I mentioned Branham to the Spurs. I thought that was a really good value. Christian Brown at 21 to the Nuggets. I think that was a little bit higher than people expected, but you know, he's got really good size, really good athlete kind of, I mean, it's, it's an easy cop for, for an obvious reason, but kind of gives me like Pat Connaughton vibes, you know, who like mm -hmm. if you redo the Pat Connaughton draft, he definitely is going in the top 20 of that one. Um, you know, Walker Kessler went one pick later to Minnesota. I, I think that could be a decent value. If you're just talking about a guy who is giving you 20 to 25 minutes, off the bench behind cat, you know, like who's filled that role the last couple of years. I, I think it's been Nas Reed, right. Who's fine, but mm -hmm. you know, not really all that great, not giving you a ton on defense. So that, that to me, uh, Minnesota getting Walker Kessler at 22 was a, a pretty nice way to, to fill kind of a low key need. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was very excited to see that Kenneth Lofton jr. Uh, latched on with a two way, uh, with the Grizzlies, uh, that's yep. that's going to be must see TV for for summer league. Um, so that one was really fun. Uh, obviously, not much fantasy impact there, but um, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, Nikola <laughs> Jovic, like the the Heat. I mean, the Heat are are such an interesting organization. I mean, they're going to obviously do everything they possibly can to get Kevin Durant, and they probably don't have the assets to get it done. But you know, maybe they do. Um, you know, if you if you do uh, hero, um, like all uh, your future picks, <laughs> hero yeah, and all yeah. your future picks, like Struce, I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if they're willing to part with Gabe Vincent. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Marjan Bochamp was getting a lot of texts about him last night. Yeah, um, same. I, I I was sending out a lot of uh, this is giving me Damian Inglis vibes, but we'll see. <laughs> what do you think about Patrick Baldwin going to the Warriors? Well, I mean, the Warriors are now in the same zone as like the Spurs in the last decade where you just assume like every pick that goes there, you're like, oh, my God, of course the Warriors got him. Uh, like if Patrick Baldwin went to the Magic, I would be like, yep, he's going to be out of the league in two years. But because he went to the Warriors, I now assume that he's going to be the next Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a perfect spot for him, really, because he yep. there's zero pressure. Uh, he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the, the G league and obviously the, the upside is, is there. So that'll be, that'll be a fun one to watch. Mm -hmm. 
the other two that I'll hit on from from round two, uh, and and then I'll let you talk about Khalifa Jop, uh, who who went to the Cavaliers at thirty nine, but uh, Kennedy Chandler, who who went to Memphis at thirty eight, they ended up trading up and grabbing that pick. They're basically, you know, they they sent DeAnthony Melton to Philly as part of that trade in round one. So I think Kennedy Chandler kind of just steps in now as like your your second third point guard, kind of competing there with Tyus Jones. I, I think he's going to be really good. I think he landed in the perfect spot for him to develop. Yeah. Uh, and then a few picks later, EJ Liddell uh, from Ohio State, which if, if you look at just the raw numbers, like pretty insane production from Liddell, who was like over three blocks a game, good scorer, good rebounder. He's a junior, so he's a little bit older, but it's not like he's 24 years old. Um, you know, that's that's kind of a, a plug and play, you know, guy who could be like your your ninth or tenth man off the bench in the regular season next year for the Pelicans. So I, I thought that was really good value at 41. Yeah, totally. Uh, those are two uh, good ones to bring up. And then uh, Josh Minot. Uh, I thought was a really nice second round uh, pick uh, Hornets took him traded him to Minnesota um, kind of similar to, to Jaden McDaniels uh, a little bit in terms yeah. of just crazy athleticism size, but a project uh, developmental project for sure. But I thought that was pretty good in the middle of the second round. All right, man. I know you got to hop on the radio. Appreciate you taking some time this morning to break this all down. Uh, make sure you check out all of our post draft content. It'll be up on rotowire.com today. I'll have winners and losers. We'll have some rookie fantasy rankings. On, and, of course, we'll continue uh, to build on that once Summer League starts on, what, a little over two weeks. Uh, and then we got free agency coming up as well. So uh, even though it's the downtime in the NBA, there's, there's always something going on. But, James, uh, again, appreciate you taking the time, dude. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.